On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome a longtime favorite of mine personally, Jocelyn Jackson. Jocelyn is a New York Times and USA bestselling author of 10 other novels. Her books have been translated into more than a dozen languages. Her 11th novel, With My Little Eye, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Jocelyn. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. And what a nice thing to say. I'm glad you like my Oh, long time fan. So we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, but first, why don't you tell our listeners about With My Little Eye? Oh, it's um, it's another domestic suspense. I've kind of shifted gears. Um, and it's the story of an actor named Mirabelle Mills, a working actor, not a famous actor, who is forced to leave the life she loves in LA and move to Atlanta state in a town she swore she'd never come back to, when um, she gets a stalker who is seriously so obsessed with her that she feels her life and the life of her 13-year-old daughter, Honor, that they're in danger. And she's right. She's right. This is a thriller. It's not a spoiler to tell you he's not going to stay in LA. That guy's coming across the country. (laughs) And she's also like stepping back into a past she really hoped she'd left behind. Mm. Yeah. And it starts so strong. I want to talk about Maribel. And if I could read the opening, because I think that is just sets the scene so perfectly. It starts oh, with I love I, that. Yeah. So it starts with, I never thought that I was famous enough to get murdered. I had a small, shiny role on a popular sitcom in the 90s, some little parts in little movies, and a lot of guest spots on detective shows. That's not the kind of actress who gets Madonna stalked, but here I was, hunted. It's just, it, it grips so you good. right from the beginning. Yes. Um, yes. And as you said, Maribel is a working actor. She's a single mom. She's approaching 40. She's reckoning with her past, returning to a place she did not want to be ever again. So tell us about your development of her, sort of how she came to you or any challenges you faced when writing her. Well, so I started out as an actor, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, my first degree is in theater. I was mostly a playwright, but you can actually make more money as a working actor than as a playwright. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted, I, you know, that was like a life I didn't choose. Instead of, I was going to maybe go to LA and pursue a career in television. And instead, I went to Chicago and grad school and was working in playwriting there and, and had some plays produced, but it was a, it was a, you know, it was like a sliding doors moment. So to set this book in that world, it let me live a life I never got to live that I didn't mm-hmm. pick. It let me um, – I mean, if you're writing about a stalker, an actor has to be public. You can't – like she would have to give up her job and her career, which she loves in order to – she can't just go underground. It also yeah. let me like – it's a thriller, but I also wanted to look at – women and the pressure we're under to not age, to stay thin. And when you're an actor, you're in, in that microcosm where that that pressure is sort of expanded. So it, it gave me some room to look at women and aging and privacy in the social media age, like that. Mm. So I loved I, it. That's where I want to go with the next question because, God, you really – got me thinking and un- made me uncomfortable in a good way. I think personally, I like to be uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but about social media and privacy, it's something I struggle with. I have a private account. I'm about to be an author that is, needs to have something forward facing that's not private. I'm already getting, uh, you know, heat about it for the podcast, but we have a, a separate account for that. Anyway, 
We can see plainly in this book that Marker Man is crossing all sorts of lines to invade Maribel's privacy, but then Maribel herself is kind of Instagram stalking James's wife, which is something a lot of us do, you know, casually scrolling through. It's just puts a spotlight on the nuance of what is curiosity, what is going too far, because it's not always so clear. And I wanted to know what, what, where you fell on that spectrum and why you wanted to explore this topic. Well, I'm, I'm Gen X and my daughter is Gen Z. And I remember there was a moment where we were looking at something on the internet together, somebody's feed, and I liked something, and I scrolled down, I liked something else, and she's like, Mom, <gasps> stop stalking her! <laughs> I'm not, I'm not stalking her, I just liked her dog, and then I liked her baby, and she's like, oh, you gotta, she's probably already seen, like, that, like, this generation who grew up in it, like, the internet happened when I was, my childhood was over, I was like a teenager when yeah. it sort of got invented and um or became mainstream enough mm-hmm. to for me to have it at my college. Mm-hmm. So my idea of what is okay and their idea, they're a lot more right. private and worried. And then like if you're if you're in any kind of business that requires you to market yourself or be in the public eye, people get weird. People get real weird. And you wouldn't <laughs> think they would get weird about like middle-aged lady authors, but <laughs> I, people can get weird about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's this push and pull. There was a person um, who sent me vacation plans for me and my whole family. Oh, and Then this person, this man was going to go with us. And he had thought of a lot of things that my husband and children could do and things that he and I could do. Like, And while oh, I know your my. husband likes golf, so he can, while we, like, oh it was crazy. Oh, that okay. was when I yes. stopped having a P.O. box. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. like, okay. <laughs> when I got the brochures or he had literally done an itinerary, I'm like, dude, I am yeah. like This is mom. clearly too far. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but then the, I mean, those things are probably out there. Your husband playing golf or, you know, our interests or what we're into are kind of clearly displayed for anyone to see. And yet you're, I mean, you hope you know you're not supposed to do those things with it. Right. It is okay to like two of my posts in a row. I just want to put that (laughs) out there. Okay, good. (laughs) I agree with you on that one. Fantastic. I love that. I also think it has to do with, what you're thinking and feeling when yes. you're watching. I think 100%. Yeah. Like, I think if you're looking at somebody like with a schadenfreude kind of a feeling, that is not great. If you're looking at them with envy or if you have, if you're starting to construct a narrative around them that they have no control over, that's maybe not great. Like, by the way, it's also at- not great for you. Right? Yeah. Your- no. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Good. not good for anyone. Yeah. It's it's better to – like if you're looking because you like that person and you want to see what they're up to or they have a cute puppy or what, for some innocuous reason, there's no reason not to look. I mean, we're we're herd animals. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, but yeah. the thing for Maribel that's so tough is, you know, just in real life, not just in her social – not social media, but, you know, she always feels that there are eyes on her because people do recognize her, which is natural yes. because even though she jokes she's not famous enough to be murdered, she's famous enough to be recognized. And there's this line between who's looking at me just because they recognize me in the coffee shop versus – 
these eyes on me as potentially predatory or the stalker. And you play with that so well. I'm sort of, I could feel like being in her skin, like how, how weird that would be. But part of it is natural and she's probably used to it. And part of it and is And you also, like it. Yeah. Part is, you like I'm it. Sure. I mean, I like it. Yeah. When right. I, I, this doesn't happen to all Oh, cut Kate's often. a Leo. She, yeah. So she I love it. Loves it. <laughs> like, yeah. look at me. I mean, I'm a former actor. <laughs> yes. 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 And it's not a thing for authors very much, but like I was in the grocery store one day and somebody stopped and double, did a double take and they're like, are you Jocelyn Jackson? And oh. like they liked my books and they recognized my face, which is amazing because that author photo took like four hours and six gay Italians, <laughs> like really doing a putting the work in. But I, so, and I was like in yoga pants, but so that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. But just like you like that, and Maribel likes that. Like when people recognize her, she's like, "That's my work, and I'm proud mm-hmm. of it," and that right, makes right. her feel good. Yeah. And so this thing that should be a pleasure is kind of getting perverted and ruined. Yeah. So, so right. Yeah. yeah. So another thing. Are, now, are you getting more and more excited about publication hearing this? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, God, there's still time. Just I'm hiding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the novel also explores secrets and trust yes. and how they feel different to the one protecting a secret rather than the person being kept in the dark. So – it does raise the question, do you think someone that harbors big secrets can ever fully trust someone else? Um, yes, because I – maybe this is a thriller writer's perspective, but you have to because we're all harboring big secrets. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never killed anybody right. or I'm certainly not going to tell you on this podcast. No, I <laughs> promise you, I've never killed yes. anybody who wasn't fictional and didn't kind of have it coming. Oh, but, I love um, that. <laughs> But yeah, I think you have to take that leap and you have to trust people and you have to assume that there's stuff they're not telling you, right? Mm -hmm. Like the way you go into a relationship is, in my opinion, you meet somebody and there's that spark where you're like, oh, I I like you. You're fun to hang out with. You get my humor and I get yours and the conversation never flags. And so that's a potential friend or a potential partner, depending on your who you're attracted to and that kind of thing. But either way, there's a moment where you're like, by the way, I've shown you a bunch of toys you get when you're friends with me. I would like to also show you this bag of crap. Can you carry this bag of crap? And the person will be like, yeah, I can carry that. What about, can you carry this one? And then you just sort of keep going through intimacy levels, trading, yeah. being like, okay, what about this bag of crap? Until at a certain point, you go, uh, no, I, I can't carry that one. Okay, then that's not a match. Or you run out of bags of crap and then you're friends for life. Yeah. So I love that. I love oh my it. gosh. Yeah. So but, true. But yeah, you do. I mean, I know what you're talking about in the novel. There's some people that maybe it's a thriller, so it's not a spoiler to say she might trust people that she ought not trust. (laughs) But you have to, right? Or live unconnected and sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh, boy. So uh, though she has a daughter, Maribel has struggled with infertility and she has to reconcile kind of the family that she thought she wanted with the family that she has. And Throughout all of your books, we'll t- we'll talk about the genre change later, but 
you always write so viscerally about family and how complicated those relationships are, especially mothers and children. And there is such an urgency in the way you write about it that I really connect to. Where does that come from? Why do you want to explore this? Is it catharsis? Is it aspiration? What is it? A little bit of all of it. What is it for you? Um, so a thing I didn't know until I was in my 40s is um, I'm autistic. And women who are on the autism spectrum very often end up actors and writers because we're under so much social mm. pressure to be empathetic and 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 writing, acting, reading. These are empathy tutorials. You want to mm. learn how to do empathy? Read a book. And so I really learned to understand what I was feeling because, I mean, autistic people do have feelings. They have huge swells of unnameable feelings that cause them to act out because they don't understand what they're feeling. And there's like a fundamental disconnect there. So I ended up a writer for that reason. And for me, and I think this is an experience for a lot of women on the spectrum and for a lot of women who aren't on the spectrum, there's a certain kind of woman, and I'm this kind of person, who really didn't understand love until they had children. And then I know tons of women who were born understanding love. (laughs) They're just these wonderful, connective people. And I would have said I understood what love was until I had my first child. And then I had a paradigm shift. The world Mm. changed. I didn't understand how it was possible to continue breathing when my heart had grown legs and was wandering around trying to put a fork in the outlets. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, you know, terrifying. This little baby, like running straight for like traffic. Yeah. They're they're just. And after I had kids, the way I loved my husband changed, the way I loved my friends changed, the way I loved my own parents changed. So it was a a life-changing thing for me. And I I think some people who are better at it, like people who are better at loving, it's not that big of a paradigm shift. It just makes their already big hearts bigger. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of a mean, small, scared person. And motherhood was really expansive and life-changing for me. So, Oh, God. No wonder wonder I connect so much with your books. That... I have never heard it described that way before. There's not an ounce of like martyrdom. We have to be, you know, subservient to our children. It's just, that is so perfectly explains, I think, what happened to me as well. And, oh, I think think it's not that uncommon a experience. Yeah. Yeah. And those who already know how to love just love bigger. But for those of us who are small and mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just gave me because I've not had that experience after motherhood, and I think there's something wrong with me. But now you just no. made me feel good too. So this was this man managed to reassure oh both of us. Well, Same I mean, breath. I think that as ma, like everybody wants to tell you all the wrong ways you're doing motherhood. Yeah. Really, we're just doing it differently. We're probably doing it great. I mean, you know, right. we're doing the best different. we can. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Oh, wow. thank you for those words. That is that's. That's fantastic. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So Maribel, as you said, flees LA with her daughter to make a new home in Atlanta, which was her original home. 
Um, Karen Slaughter is the one who suggested we chat with you at Thriller Fest last year, which is a solid friend move. Um, and we just spoke to Colleen Oakley recently, and we were talking about the support she receives from Emily Giffen and all these Atlanta authors. So we're just wondering, like, is there like a special camaraderie in Atlanta? Yeah. I just feel like the support <laughs> you all give one another there among the author community is so strong. It's- it is freaking amazing. Karen Slaughter is. <laughs> a, she is a gem. She's the a, best. Of talent and a gem and a force and hilarious. Yeah. Um, and trouble. Oh, she's trouble. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, she's that way. Mary Kay Andrews lives here yeah. and is amazing. Emily Kiffin, Colleen is wonderful. Um, Wanda Morris. And it, there's like little subset communities, like Patty Callahan Henry used to live here, and she and Mary Kay Andrews kind of have yes. similarities of genre. Not, mm-hmm. They're not super the same, but they have a good overlap in readership. And they just – like we just help each other and we like each other. Karen Slaughter is kind of a force behind that. Like she every, – every three months, she'll be like – Everyone, to Leon's, we're having lunch. And she'll just <laughs> gather up all the thriller writers in the area and we'll, and, and, and Mary Kay, who there's always a mystery and a dead body in her book. So come on, Mary Kay. <laughs> yeah. Um, plus we love her. So, and I love her books, but it's, it is, it is kind of special and amazing. And she does this just also for her thriller fest people. Like when Lisa Unger came to mm-hmm. town, Slaughter hired a car. And called a bunch of authors and we all – and bought like champagne and cupcakes and we got in this <laughs> car. and cupcakes. Dro- yes. Perfect. Took us and Lisa Unger to her event so that we could all just support her. And it was oh, on her tour. She's so generous. I mean, she is – that Crazy. is – anyone who has any contact with her knows that. But it, it just – the stories never cease to amuse me. I'm like everywhere – like when she's in the spotlight, when she's not in the spotlight, all of it. She's just so generous. She's she's cool. Yeah. It's and true. she's never failed us. If she's like, you need to interview this person, we're like, whatever you say, Karen, because it's always amazing. Yeah, so. and it was such a kismet moment for me because I, like I said, I've been such a fan of yours for a long time, and I was like, oh wait, now Karen Slaughter says I have to do it. It's a done deal. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about the switch in in genres uh, because I have been reading your books is since 2013. I published a piece of short fiction and a stranger emailed me to tell me that what I had written reminded them of Backseat Saints. Oh, so wow. I had no idea what this was. I picked it up. I was like, oh, this is intriguing. First of all, the whole setup, uh, right? Tarot cards in the airport, right? Sure. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, Love I it. was hooked. I loved that book. And then I bought all your backlist and have followed you since then. And this is the third book in your genre switch. So you're really kind of established yourself here. And I wanted to talk about kind of from Southern women's fiction to domestic suspense. I, I get a, the the genres. You don't fit neatly into boxes. Is that right? Yeah, I Do don't. Think? Yeah, which we love. I love. I mean, my, um, every one of my Southern fiction books has a murder mystery in it, except I think one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. yeah, and and that urgency about family and what we would do to protect them, that's in every one of your books as well. So, yeah, yeah I know. Well, so, so do you not feel like it was much of a switch? Do you feel like it is a switch? Is it a more of a marketing switch than your writing process? 
And did you get any pushback? I just would love to hear anything you want to to share okay, on I'll that. I'll tell part. you the story of okay. changing genres. Um, so my grandparents are weird. I had two <laughs> grandparents. My mother's parents are just like straight out of a Flannery O'Connor short story, like an itinerant Baptist preacher who married a 14-year-old sharecropper. Not even kidding. My father's family is a little more complicated because – so they were just like really poor old south agrarian. And then my father's family – of course, this was after Reconstruction and everything. So by the time my grandfather was born, they were kind of yellow dog, Democrat, uh, like um, union workers, blue-collar workers. But his family were the Jackson slaveholding family. And the woman he married – my grandmother, her family was former slaves, not um, – I mean, there was no relationship between those families. But so I have this white grandfather who is the descendant of slaveholders and a black grandmother who is the descendant of slaves. Mm. So there's the South for you right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as a writer, I've always been trying to write that story of my heritage. I've always been trying to write it. And – the last Southern fiction book I wrote that sort of looked at race and the complicated ways I feel about race, which was always a component of those Southern books, was a book called The Almost Sisters. And in that book, Wadi and there's two 90-year-old Southern women who've been best friends. And in a lot of ways, one's black, one's white. And in a lot of ways, they're my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like they're best friends in the book and they be, they each have their own husband and they've had children, but they're, it's that lifelong friendship thing. Yeah. And in that book – the thing I had been trying to say, I'm not saying I said it. I'm not even saying I said it well. I'm saying I said it. I'll never be able to say it better than that. What I said in that book was what I was trying to say, and I didn't right. feel the need to talk about it anymore. Oh, wow. So I started writing a book called um, Never Have I Ever. Mm-hmm. And I got it, and I was just writing it. I, I wasn't thinking about genre. It was set in Pensacola where another book of mine had been set. Like it's a town I know really well. And I get about a third of the way through and I can feel that it's different. And I called my agent and my contract was for two Jocelyn Jackson books, which that's all it was. It was just like two Jocelyn Jackson books. Yes, I will take that contract. Everybody knows what that means at this point. I'm 10 books in or whatever. So I call my agent and I'm like, uh, I'm writing a thriller. I didn't mean to, but I am. And uh, this is not what they want. uh, She's like, okay. First of all, you always murder people. Send me – just let me see each other. I love so it. So I sent her yeah. – she, she read it. She called back. She's like, okay, this is a thriller. Uh, let me just talk to your editor. So she talked to my editor and my editor is actually Karen Slaughter's US editor. I didn't know this at the time. Loves thrillers. She – oh, oh, I wasn't even under contract. That's not true. We were in negotiations. And they had given us an offer for two Jocelyn Jackson books. And I showed her what I was writing. So she took it to my editor. And my editor was like, oh, hmm. And they came back with a better offer. Yeah, I was going to say, even better. Yes. They said, could you write two of these? I was like, yeah, I could write two of those. So I – I, and I love it. Like they really are my books. They're different in that the pacing is faster. But they're still like there's – a. Plenty for book clubs to talk about. That's all the thematic stuff I've been interested in forever. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Sorry, yeah. that was a long story. No, oh, that was fantastic. I, I love, love it. it. Came yeah. back with a better offer, even better. Um, so you mentioned Never Have I Ever. Um, and interestingly, we learned that you, in researching that book, you learned to dive and that's something you love and keep doing as part of your I life. Did. I did. That book has a lot of, the narrator is a scuba diving instructor. Yeah. And I wanted to do crime underwater. It just seemed fun to me. And um, I had a really good idea for how to murder somebody underwater. Everybody I dive with is now sitting up a little tighter. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I wanted to to do something like that. So I I did interviews and I watched videos. And the diving scenes, which should have been the most beautiful and then the most tense and exciting scenes in the book, were terrible. They were flat. So I was, I went to my husband and I said, listen, we are firmly middle-aged, so it's time for me to have a crisis. And that means I need to do something really expensive and a little life-threatening. And I, it has to be so scuba diving. I, love I said, would you like to, he had already joined a band. So he had really had his crisis, but, and he's great, but he's a bass player, but he was like, all right. I will have your crisis with you. So I thought I would hate it because I'm claustrophobic. From the moment oh. I took my first breath underwater in a pool, I was like, I'm a magical person who can do magic. Oh my <laughs> it God. Was just, I am a mermaid. I'm I swimming under the water. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. So it's we've been obsessed about it ever since. He loved it from Midlife Crisis. He was like, you know, you could have chosen yeah, a I pool was boy. S- yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <I like> this. <laughs> Yeah, it's something he gets to do as well. And sounds like you can now do together. That's amazing. And this year, in six weeks after I finished touring for this book, we are finally diving the Great Barrier Reef, which has been our dream since we started diving. (gasps) That is bucket list material right there. (gasps) On that trip, we will be certified as master divers, which is the highest rank you can be as a diver unless you're a professional. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And where I mean, else has it taken Yeah, where else has it taken you? I mean, I love hobbies oh. that also and I love to travel, so you know, anything that then also gets to take you to amazing places. Um my favorite places we've dived are probably Bonaire on the ABC Islands oh. off the South American coast. I love Cozumel, we love the Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. and we like to just when we get a minute, his mom lives in Florida right on Shipwreck Trail, so we can mm-hmm. always just go there. The Keys are a great little trip, yeah. but I love that. That is fantastic. And for him to enjoy in it too, it's like you're hooked. Yeah. Yeah, we're obsessed. That is fantastic. (laughs) And our daughter dives too. Our son was like, no, under no circumstances. Right. But she now dives and she's dating a diver. Like it's a whole big thing. Oh my my gosh. gosh. I love that. So speaking of your daughter, I want to come back to her narrating honor. In, yes, yes. So cool. Okay. Yes. But let me first put in a little interstitial. We always talk about astrology on this podcast and I hope she'll forgive me for stalking your Instagram and found out that you are, you have such a cool, actually, you can go back. I actually commented in real time. So it's not actually stalking now that I think about it. <laughs> um, you are a Pisces and yes. you have a daughter, your, your son and your husband are Pisces. Is that right? February 25, 26, and 27. By the way, my son is February 28. And I oh know your gosh. daughter is March 28th, and I'm March 23rd. 
So I have a very similar situation, but reversed. I, or no, I'm the sole Aries in a family of Pisces. My son, my daughter, my brother, all Pisces. It's just so, so fascinating uh, that you have this cluster kind of thing and the numbers going on at the same time. But I wanted to ask now, perfectly from your diving, I mean, a fish, water, diving, I mean, do you relate to being a Pisces? Yes, so oh, much. I and I thought it was really weird, quite frankly, that if the three of the four of us were going to dive, it wouldn't be the three fish. It's two right. fish and the Aries. <laughs> the Aries is the scuba diver. Oh. Yes. We could not get my son in. The, he he's claustrophobic. Because they're daring. Too. The Aries no. are daring. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and she is. She's pretty Aries, I would say. How so? How is that for you? How are you? Are you okay? I should ask you since you're, <laughs> you know. So, so let me tell you. I know my full chart. I do have quite a bit of Pisces in me, as well as some Cancer. So I've got water in there. My fire is is not extinguished. Not your by dominant, water. though. No, yeah, that's that's right. So uh, it works out fine, but it's a lot. And the male Pisces little bit different from the female Pisces. It's a, it's, it's complicated. It's nuanced. It's so much more nuanced than people think, certainly than like kind of the daily news, uh, you know, what's your horoscope for today? <laughs> but I love hearing that. I love hearing that. Water yeah. Water. I, a lot of water in the house. A lot yeah. of water in the house. <laughs> and, and I guess she feels a little bit, she is different from us. Like yes. we all won't leave, like she's, a dedicated extrovert. She's yeah. always like moving outward boldly. And we're always like, hmm. Yes. <laughs> we'll oh, just yes. be right here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go do I'm, that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've always felt a little, um, you know, a little bit like the outsider, a little bit of, you know, on the edge. But my father is an Aries. So I grew up in an Aries household too. So mm-hmm. we were divided water, water, fire, fire. My son. I was I raised mean, my- by a Cancer and a Leo. Oh. And my, my brother's an Aries. Sorry, I'm a Leo. I'm just cheering uh, over yeah. here. Yes. How is it like yeah, to have a Leo? And our parent? moms That's are Cancers. Sh- yes. Our moms are both Cancers. Corinne and too. I. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Our mom. Yes. My, my dad was the Leo of Leos. And I say that with, of course, adoration. Like he was just the best lion ever. Oh, <laughs> I love that. yeah. I we love all that. think we're the best. That's that's yes. the, that's the Leos. <laughs> Every mean, Leo. I'm sure he's Leo like, of, of course I am. <laughs> yeah, he was right though. I mean, he was right. That's he was awesome. the best Leo ever. Just as uh, at oh. guy, I loved him. I love that. So let's come back to your daughter narrates honor in the audiobook version, and you are in it as well. Oh, yeah. So so my first yeah. book, Gods in Alabama, it's about a wildly promiscuous murderess. So I didn't really want to narrate that one because everybody always thinks your first book is autobiographical uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought maybe a little bit of distance from the yeah. wildly promiscuous murderess would be okay. Um, and the second one, though, I really wanted to do because, as I said, I'd been a working yeah. actor. I had done a lot of voice acting. Like, I'd even done like voiceovers for like PBS documentaries that won Emmys and stuff. I was a working actor. Yeah. Yeah. And my editor was like, Oh, that's so cute that you want to do that. No, my God, no, you'll be terrible. I was like, No, I, I really, but I've done voice acting. And she's like, That is precious. No. Bless your heart. Said, well, no. Bless your heart. <laughs> yes. We want the audiobook to be. 
good. good. So no. I said, well, can I audition? She said, sure, but don't get your hopes up. So I, I auditioned. Like they just sent in my tape with the other people and I got cast in my audiobook and it oh went God. really well. I now I read for that. a lot of other authors. Yes. A book I read, Lydia Netzer, Shine, 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 won Publishers Weekly's yeah. Audiobook of the Year. Um, I saw that. You're winning at it. You're not just doing it. You are yes. winning the awards. Yes. It's crazy because <laughs> like speaking of that sliding doors thing, this the year I read Maribel was the first year I qualified for my SAG card. I had done so much audio work. Oh that my was like gosh, my 20-year-old so cool. self's dream. And the, the oh. thing came in the mail. I was like, that's right, you guys. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. So how many books have you read? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, all of mine but one. Right. Um, all of Lydia Netzer's I've read for Patty Callahan Henry. I read one character of Chris Swan's. Um, I've read Tori Whitaker. I, I, oh. Quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Lydia, and now your yeah. daughter is following in your footsteps. Yes, she's a she is an actor. She's studying theater in college. Um, the thing that's cool about it is uh in the book, Maribel's daughter is adopted. Maribel had fertility issues and um Honor is on the autism spectrum. And as I said, I was diagnosed on the autism spectrum really late. My when my son was diagnosed as a child, you know, we started doing all the things you do, and he's a great kid, he's a great guy, high functioning, he's doing great. But it didn't occur to me to look at me because people don't think about I'm a good masker. I have a theater background. Yeah. Nobody would ever guess that I'm autistic or so people tell me. Maybe it's obvious. And I'm like, nobody would ever guess. But I wanted somebody who was on the autism spectrum to read honor. I wanted it to be a, a real voices thing. And I knew I was going to read Maribel and I knew they were doing a full cast audio with every – the cast is great, by the way. Yeah. And so Maisie is an amazing reader, Maisie Jane. She's a wonderful actor. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool if she read Honor? So she auditioned. Wow. And um, and she also, like when she was in high school, she started telling me, Mom, I think I'm on the autism spectrum. And I would say, well, why do you think that? And she would tell me things that sounded completely normal to me. And I'd be like, uh, no, honey, you're not autistic. That's normal. normal. I was just yeah. like that. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it at all. Well, duh. We're both super <laughs> yes. autistic. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so when though. she, she read Honor and I read Maribel and I, I'm really, she did a great job. The director was like, didn't say it in front, but later he was like, listen, I was really anxious when I saw the casting, but she is great. Listen to this. Oh. And he played me some of her real, she kills it. She kills oh, it. I love that. Oh, that's so great. I'm an audible person. So this obviously we get early, so I did not listen to it. But now I might, maybe I got to go back once it's out to hear it. Cause I do, I get, I really do enjoy books in all their forms, but I get really into the audible, particularly when it's a good narrator. So yes. yeah, it makes yeah. a huge difference. Although I can't listen to one more Julia Whelan, Whelan, however we say her last, I love her, but I'm just like, I think I might have like, I might be a stalker. Like how, <laughs> although or maybe she just reads every book, but right. you know, right. I love her, but I'm like, you I think get I've those listened to a million. That you like? Yes, yes. And then you become, I'm like, Oh, it's read by Julia. I better listen. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I wish I could remember the actor's name, but I've done that too. Whoever it was that read Eleanor and Park, oh. I've followed her name <gasps> to pick my next audiobook just to listen to her voice. Yes. I, just I love think that she's book. 
I do too. It's yeah. so good on audio. Oh, see? Okay. Yeah. Speaking of things we love, yes. we always end by asking our authors, what what do you love right now? An obsession, a book, a show, a movie, a podcast, whatever you're sort of loving. In June, a book is coming out that I just loved. I read it for a blurb. I'm obsessed with it. It's called Madalena in the Dark. Oh, uh, Julia Fine. Yes. Yes. You know this book? Have you read it? I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's so (laughs) good. It's sort of like if Mexican Gothic had a baby with The Passion by Jeanette Winterson. (laughs) Which those are two of my favorite books I've ever read are Mexican Gothic and The Passion. So it hit me just right. I'm obsessed. I also – um. I'm loving the Will Trent TV series. Of course. Oh my gosh. I love yes. Betty. Yes. I'm not a Chihuahua person, but that <laughs> dog has won my heart. It's amazing. And she's got a new yeah. book coming out this summer. A new too. Will Trent. A new Will yes. Trent. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I'm excited amazing. about that. So good stuff. Yeah. That's kind of what. And then, you know. Yellow jackets. <laughs> Those are kind of my things right of now. Course. I live in the dark. Yellow jackets and well, Trent. Those oh, are love it. I mean, that's all stuff we're behind. So <laughs> exactly. we're gonna have to check out that one. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute delight. It's they say not to meet your idols, but you are fantastic. You exceeded every one of my expectations. So that's so kind. When does your book come out? Oh, not until. Well, I'm still waiting for my first editorial letter. So we're it's very oh. new in the process. So next do summer you, is the target. Do you need? Like some essential oils or some chocolate? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I am not. Thank you for asking. Like, I, am I am not, not. okay. No. And I don't know if I'll be better or worse when the letter actually comes and then getting through that process. I don't know. I think you'll be great. I mean, the, one of the things I love about being edited is I love to be read that deeply and taken that seriously. Oh, oh wow. That's a that. lot, great way to think about it. Yeah. Right? Oh, gosh. Oh, that. Yeah. Yes. You are like, blowing my mind today. Yes. But listen, uh, think about that. Like the no. care and attention that someone is giving to your words. Yeah. And wow, that's, that's Before that, my best it. spin was I do, I hate blind spots. I hate having blind spots. And I think yeah. I need a mirror. I can't do it. I have blind mm. spots. I've always known that. And it doesn't feel great to have them pointed out, but it does. It feels safer and better and like I'm more supported and in this with someone else. And that is the only thing that writing in the initial process is is not, is very solitary. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that part of it. Well, I mean, look, now that you told me about the short story in Backseat Saints, send it to me as soon as you have galleys. I want to read it. I'll I'll pass out and die. But after (laughs) that, I will have someone send it to you. (laughs) <laughs> After no, she wakes up, no. thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. 